0: Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, And he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. You never
1: see anybody running a race with overcoat on and boots. They get as light as they can. They they strip down to the to bare essentials, just to uh, that's presentable, so that they won't hinder their speed. And they not, and when they're running a race, they're not saying, hi, mom. They're not doing that either because they're going to lose the race. They they got to, they got to strain and they got to keep their eyes on the finish line. They got to, and then they got to stay in their lane. You got to stay in their lane. Say stay in your lane. You know, so many churches can't make progress because you got so many saints getting out of their lane. They're doing things they shouldn't be doing. There Many saints around. I'm talking about the church at large now, just, just Mar- not just Maranatha, but Maranatha's included. They can have meetings that have not been authorized. They can take matters into their own hand. They begin to do things and not ask for permission. And when you begin to do that, it, it, give, it gives you a license to do a little bit more instead of having a submissive, humble spirit To the glory of God. The kingdom of God is advanced through humility. Through servanthood. Through giving up the weights. Beloved as you run the race that is set before you. Refuse to allow your weight to become a hindrance to your faith. Refuse to allow your weight to become a hindrance to your faith. When the Lord allows the storm to intrude into your life. No human effort are good enough to bring us to the other side of them. I repeat, I repeat. When the Lord allows storms to intrude into our life, no human effort are good enough to bring us to the other side of them. Verse 13, a says, nevertheless, the men rode. Can you say they were out of breath? They were trying, that wind was whipping up, the wave was lashing against the boat, and yet they were exerting energy, passion, they, they, were, they were breathing hard, and they were sweating, they were trying to make it back to the shore to return to land, but the scripture says, but they could not. The sailors tried to row, but were getting nowhere in the midst of turbulent weather because fugitive Jonah was still aboard that ship. My friend, when you are in the midst of a storm, money cannot buy your way out. You cannot think your way out of a storm. You cannot use your own human Human reasoning uh, to, 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 to get out of that storm, attempting to wait it out is not going to help you. It's vain and useless, and it only compounds the problem and intensifies the storm. Only surrendering your life to Christ, crying out to Christ. What helps? Surrendering your life to Christ, uh, crying out to Christ you you got to do that. Confessing your sins to Christ. Listening to and obeying Christ. is the surest way to gain victory over the storms of life. That is so critical. I know you're writing it down. Uh, l- let's, let's revisit that again. Only surrendering your life to Christ. Crying out to Christ. Confessing your sins to Christ. Listening to and obeying Christ is the surest way to gain victory over the storms of life. Very few people like Jonah can say, I am the problem. For the scripture says in verse 12b, for I know that this great storm is because of me. That's a powerful verse. And some saints are scared to highlight that verse and underline it. Because it's so convicting. It is so difficult for people to say that they are the problem and are responsible for bringing the crisis many times in their life personally that affects their whole totality of their family. Why is this? Why is it that people can't say I am where I am because I'm me? Uh, I made this mess because of me? Uh, Whether it's dealing with children, whether it's dealing with siblings, whether it's dealing with a career path, or was dealing with, or who you married, whatever. Some of you are on your third wife, and that's not working. And all the time that that man said, "Well, this is the third woman that didn't work out." <laughs> and the, th- the third woman, what about you? you? You thought that you may not be working out. For I know that this great storm is because of me. It is so difficult for people to say they are the problem and are responsible for bringing the crisis. On themselves, and sometimes others bring crisis on the entirety of the family, and sometimes just the the um, the life itself. And uh, you can do the right thing, and good bad things happen to good people. So it's not always you're doing something bad, but the probability is, off time, we do make decisions that causes setbacks. If I'm right about that, can you say Amen? Why is this? Why is it so hard that we can't say it's me? A, because they take comfort in blaming others to avoid their own flaws and failures. They can't say, like Jonah, I'm the problem, because they take comfort in blaming others to avoid their own flaws and failures rather than accept responsibility. Uh, for where they are in life Satan will move you to blame and even hurt others to protect yourself B. many people such as spouses children relatives siblings. Many people, such as co-workers and church members, refuse to take responsibility because they love to play the victim rather than tell the whole truth about themselves. Very few genuinely tell both sides of the account with honesty and integrity. They are often biased in their explanation Purposefully leaving out pertinent information, augmenting and adding to the story to justify themselves, leaving their hearers perplexed, disturbed, and even angry at, at others because the hearer does not know the whole truth. Jonah said in verse 12b, for I know that this great storm is because of me. W- why can't we say it's me? It's always the other person. If it wasn't for them, I would be here. I would be there. Um, it's my race. It's where I was born. I I was born in a single-parent home. I was born in the ghetto. There are people who have come out of horrendous situation who've done great things for God. Great things for God. You see, uh, people can't say it's me because... Uh, because uh they're not broken they're not broken you know that you have been broken by god and are growing spiritually when you can admit and take responsibility for your own sins for your own failures when you can take responsibility for bad decisions you've made at certain points of your life and all of nobody ever made great decisions 100% of the time let's get real why is it so quiet in here? Because you're listening. No one gets it right all the time. And when we mess up, uh, learn from the mistake and say, okay, God, uh, I, I didn't do this too good. Will you help clean this up for me? And I've learned for this and I won't, I won't do this again. Thank you for teaching me through this. Thank God for 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 his patience his divine patience bad decisions setbacks lack of progress we must never have too much pride to say i was wrong we must never have too much pride to say i'm sorry hell will freeze over for many say that we must not have too much pride to say i didn't have to say that we must Not be hesitant to say, I didn't have to do that. Instead, we we must say of ourselves, when it's warranted, I was impatient. I was quick to speak and slow to hear. It was about my self-interest and not your interests. And I did not have a godly attitude in this matter. And then the spiritual thing we should say is, please forgive me when it is warranted. Please forgive me. Let's just say that together. Some of you haven't said it in long time. You shudder even said it. Let's say it together. Please forgive. Let's say it two more times. Please forgive me. Let's say it one more time. Please. You know what? People will rush to forgive you when you have the right attitude, disposition, and full of God in the matter. My friend, God will use this hard attitude to settle the storm in your life. Beloved, you cannot survive the storms in your life until you accept responsibility for your action. Cry out to God for mercy and confess your sins. Proverbs 28:13 says, "He who covers his sin will not prosper." You cover your sins, you try to hide stuff your wife doesn't know about, your husband don't know about, children, you hide the stuff you, that your parents don't know about. God knows about it and he knows how to expose it. He who covers his sins will not prosper. Have a clean life. Have a holy life. Have a godly life and God will bless your life. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Let's look at verse 14 if you will. Verse 14 says, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Look, they are pleading with God for this man's life. We pray, O Lord, please Please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you. O oh Lord have done as it pleaseth you in this verse. I see four significant spiritual insights when it comes to praying through the storms of life. I see four significant insights when it comes through, when it comes to praying through uh, the storms of life. Number one, you do not have to beg people to pray in times of crisis. You do not have to beg people to pray in times of crisis. Even when crisis come to America through massive hurricanes, tornadoes, acts of terrorism, raging wildfires, massive floods and mass shootings, people are led to pray. And you usually don't hear A word from anti-Christian organizations at that point who are eerily quiet when disaster suddenly strikes America. Verse 14b says, we pray, O Lord. I remember so vividly when the planes crashed into the Twin Towers and shook America and the whole world on September 11, 2001. Members took the initiative to come to Maranatha in the middle of that same day to pray without having to be invited to come to church and pray. It was it was astonishing. It shook the world, but it shook Christians. It shook life. It shook pagans, and yet we'll look how look how far we've drifted from God since since that time. When things get bad enough, we will pray. Again, the scripture says in verse 14b, we pray, O Lord, beloved, what will it take for you to get serious about praying to Jehovah God? The second insight we like to bring to mind is this, the crewman valued the sanctity of human life in this passage. The crewmen, the mariners, they value the sanctity of human life. You say, where is that? In verse 14, C it says, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not, Lord, do not, do not charge us with innocent blood. What amazes me in this passage is that the pagan sailors had more value for human life than preacher Jonah who would rather kill himself than to do what God had instructed him to do. The sailors valued Jonah's life and pleaded with God that he he not hold them responsible for throwing Jonah overboard. Can you imagine that? Sadly, today, babies are murdered in the womb of mothers as well as immediately after birth and the lives of children teenagers adults and the elderly and the elderly means absolutely nothing to multitudes in our world today people will kill at will with no regard for human life however even uh, when these pagan crewmen made the decision to throw Jonah overboard they had a reverential fear of God and a high regard for human life You should never threaten to kill anybody. All souls are mine, says God. Life is precious. And that's why these bloodthirsty videos and games and all this stuff where kids are being chopped off and beheaded and guts are showing and all this stuff. You know what it's doing? It's desensitizing our children and this generation to life. They can wipe folk out and go eat fried chicken. But those mariners, they had a deep, abiding, reverential fear for God. Oh God, don't hold, we're going to throw them overboard, but don't hold this against us. Please, don't hold this against us. Number three, the crewman, listen to this. The crewmen acknowledged the sovereignty of God in the midst of the storm. The crewman acknowledged the sovereignty of God in the midst of the storm. Verse 14 D says, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Beloved almighty God has a divine right to do whatever he wants to do, even when we don't understand what he is doing, he is in absolute control 100% of the time. Just because you don't know what God is up to or how this is going to work itself out, don't throw in the towel, don't give up, don't talk yourself into trouble. Stop being negative. Don't throw yourself a pity party. Say, Lord, I don't know where you're going with this, but I know who's in charge. You are. I'm just going to hold on and I'm going to wait and I'm going to get a good grip until until you work this out in my life. Wow. That's the attitude we should have in the midst of that. And number four, listen, the pagan Gentile crewman. This passage is absolutely fascinating. The pagan Gentile crewman prayed to the only true and living God. Uh, early on in, in the book of Jonah, they were praying to, they just say, call on your gods, you know, whoever your God is, call on Him. But now I see a change here. The pagan Gentile crewman prays to the only true and living God. We must give the men credit for praying to the right God in the midst of the storm. Beloved, you can ill afford to cry out to worthless, no good deities in the midst of crises. Verse 14a says, therefore they cried out to the Lord. Look at that, capital L there, the Lord, Jehovah God. They, they, were, they were crying out to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They cried out to the true and living God. I love that old song that says, where do I go? When the storms of life are raging, who do I turn to when no one wants to listen? Who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I'm going to the rock. I know he's able. I'm going to the rock. And who is that rock? That rock is Jesus. Amen? That rock is Jesus. He is able. In utter desperation, the sailors cried out to the Lord in worship. Then final segment here, verses 15 through 16. Look at that. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from his raging Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Verses 15 and 16 here, we see the sailors worshiping God. The sailors worshiped God. When the sailors knew they were about to perish and there was absolutely nothing they could do to save themselves, they followed Jonah's instruction to throw him into the sea. When the men threw fugitive Jonah into the raging sea, once Jonah hit the water, the sea ceased from raging instantly. Resulted in the crewmen being stunned, being being astonished. And and they they feared God greatly. It moved these pagan uh, sailors to worship Jehovah God. I personally believe at this point, these pagan crewmans, when seeing that storm instantly dissipate at once, was amazed at the God of Jonah when that sea became calm. My friends, as I conclude this message, there is no storm so big in your life that God cannot settle in his own good time. Amen. Amen. Don't worry Trust God Don't be bitter Trust God Don't blame everybody Trust God Stop meandering and wandering around uh, With no sense of direction Be still and know that he is God My friend there is no adversity That intrudes into our lives That God cannot give you victory over When you only worship him through the storm. I mean, when the storms of life come, it's time for you to get your praise on. The harder the wind blows, the more shouting you ought to do. Do I have a witness here today? Verse 16 says, then the men reverently and worshipfully feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a great sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They worshiped God. They magnified God, they thanked God, the storm was over, they were on calm seas, those men's lives would never be the same because of that whole account. I can, see, I can only imagine those crewmen talking to not on their children. Perhaps they went home and told their wives once they got off that boat. Perhaps they told their children, their grandchildren. That I, bet they would tell, I, I can only imagine they would tell that story the rest of their life and start shouting as they tell the story. Amen. When you know God's been good to you, you ought to be shouting. There's an old story called Shouting John. Some of y'all know the old story. I say every once in a while, every four or five years I tell it. There was oh, 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 there was an old black man in the field named ain't shouting John shouting John would go to church, and he would shout all over that church, and he would just shout loud, irritate some folk, you know, and, and you know what I want to say when some folks shout, they take the ones that's quiet, lead them in, and take the shouting ones out, but i I Folks, folks that folks that's rejoicing in God, leave them in. Take the one that won't say man out. <laughs> say the one that that won't smile out. Take the one that look mean out. Sometimes take the one with the bad spirit out. And the preacher say, God is good. Oh, Jesus, you good, you good, you good. God woke you up in the morning. He said, like, Oh, God, you good. Oh, God, you good. Hallelujah you're good he got his dance on so, so, and, and the preacher would say this and that and all of a sudden he'd jump up and he'd wave his hand and he'd jump and he'd say God is good hallelujah 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 Hallelujah! praise be God From God you're so good he was talking in broken English he wasn't proper and all that uh, shouting John had on overalls so one day someone had the audacity outside of his house one day to say "Shout, John why you shout so much (laughs) Shout, John looked at the the question and said you see that that woman on that porch the Lord gave her to me you see those 11 children around her feet the Lord gave those children to me You, you see these mules here that I work the field with, the Lord gave them to me. You see those collard greens, you see those tomatoes, and you see those mustards, and you 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 you, 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 see, you, you see the vegetable garden. You see the corn. You see you see all that stuff over there that we. Are, you see them hogs over there. You see those cows over there mooing. You see all the Lord gave them to me. I feel my shout. Hold my mule. I'm ready to shout some more. I declare to you today, you don't have to be in the church house to shout. When God get a hold to you, you'll shout at the kitchen sink. You'll shout in your car. You'll shout in the shower. You'll shout on the bed. You'll shout in the church. You'll shout in the meeting. Matter of fact, you wake up some folk because you are gonna shout. And some of you today, you've gotten so sophisticated, you've lost your shout. You got too much makeup on. Some of you are too cute. Too, your clothes, they're too tight. You need to loosen them up. So things are, it's too, too, too much about fashion. I'm going to wrinkle my, my, whatever, I don't even know what you call these clothes
0: nowadays. So, you know, my GQ clothes.